5: This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody. We uh, start out uh, part two of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program this hour with uh, our roundtable regulars. We have uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left. Paul, welcome back.
1: Always good to be here.
5: And uh, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. Henry, welcome back to you as well, my friend.
1: Thank you, Tom.
5: And uh, joining us for this week's uh, roundtable discussion for commentary and analysis, we have um, the East Village Magazine consulting editor Jan Worth Nelson. Always a treat to have you with us, Jan.
2: Pleasure to be back with you.
5: Um, you know, I, I said before we broke at the at the top of the hour and wrapped up the the first half that I there was going to be no avoiding uh, <laughs> the events of the past week dominating uh, this this hour. But I do want to squeeze in uh, a couple of things that. That happened uh, in Lansing before we move on. Um, one is um, this uh, the arrest of uh, Michael Chad Verone. Um, he's the one who threatened to kill State Representative Cynthia Johnson a month ago. Um, he is also the one who just recently uh, called in a bomb threat. To the state capitol mm-hmm. and digging um, it it's there there are questions about why he wasn't arrested a month ago for threatening Cynthia Johnson um, is and and i didn 't read the whole story because i don 't want to take the time. I, I want to move along as quickly as we can, but there were racist undertones in his threats to Cynthia Johnson and, and some of his other comments. And and I guess what I wanted to ask is, is racism a fundamental part of homegrown terrorism?
2: Right now, I absolutely think it
6: is. I think yes. that the reaction was so different, I, the comments you made in terms of what happened in Washington. If, if those had been Black Panthers storming the Capitol, how many folks would still be alive today? I mean, that would be a totally different response, I think.
2: Yeah,
1: And I think you're right, and everybody sees that, but it's things that we don't like to talk about and it, it, because it inflames people. But there's got to be other ways that you can talk about that without inflaming people and causing them to go out and do other things that, that we don't want them to do.
2: Yeah. Um, I feel, you know, I've asked myself in the dead of night recently, is this the last gasp of the... Fight of white supremacy and embedded racism, mm. uh, or is it the beginning of a civil war? And lately, it <laughs> felt—I c- I haven't been able to tell uh, yeah. which way it's, it's leaning. Uh, I mean, obviously, on January sixth, it felt like this isn't. This is the start of a civil war, uh, where you know, white the white supremacists are just fighting lives, kind of. Um, as the world is turning away from them. But,
1: uh, but you, I don't you know. But you're being I, uh, too pessimistic. You've got to remember that it's the young people that's going to take over this. And what you see in the classroom today is not yeah. the sentiments what you see on the surface out here with older adults.
2: Right, I, I think uh, you're they're right. They're intermarian.
1: Uh, they're getting along well, they can yeah. trade secrets and stuff like that. And this is a gasp of the white supremacists are in minorities, and we need to keep them at bay, give them their rights and stuff like that, like everybody else does. Because if you try to take away their rights, then you you uh, taint the republican we don't want that.
6: So Henry, you make one, a good point,
1: hey, Henry.
6: You make a good point. Somewhere I heard that the uh, the average age of the protesters in Washington was was notably older than the average yes. protest somewhere in the mid forties for the average age, and that's not typical of a protest like that so there may be some truth in what you're saying
1: and then there's this uh, thing that uh, the, the paradigm shift in which white americans will no longer be the arithmetic and political majority of this country by 2050 and the browning of americans those people in the right age where they are threatened by all of this uh-huh. and, uh, and that's a, and that's a know, good
5: point henry um yeah. I, i've heard a number of people um Wishing we could go back to the '50s. I even had a friend who wanted to go back to 1924. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but but Mighty all of singer. my all of my friends who want to go back to those dates are all white. Um,
6: yeah. <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear for Calvin Coolidge.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to squeeze in one more thing from Lansing before we just open up and get into the uh, uh, prospects of Civil War. Um, a Michigan GOP activist who organized busloads of, uh, of Trump supporters who traveled to the Capitol in Washington for last Wednesday's protest that devolved into a riot is about to become state co-chair of the Michigan Republican mm-hmm. Party. The proposed leadership role for Mishan Maddock is not sitting well with some party members. On Wednesday, Michigan Republican Party Chair Laura Cox announced she would not seek a second two-year term, a decision she said in an email to uh, party members she arrived at over the Christmas holidays. The unexpected announcement from Cox means that that under current rules there will be no election for the top post at the state party convention in early February Only one candidate, former chairman Ron Weiser, had registered to challenge Cox ahead of the deadline. Weiser is running on a slate with Maddox as co-chair. Mishan Maddock needs to withdraw as the unopposed candidate for co-chairman of the Michigan Republican Party. State Republican activist Dennis Lennox tweeted Wednesday, if she doesn't, the convention should suspend the rules and elect a candidate from the floor. Period. Should the Michigan GOP block Matic from any leadership position with the party?
1: If he has, if he's associated with the events in in uh, Washington, uh, I would say yes. Hmm. You don't want that kind of leadership at the top,
2: right?
6: Yeah, I think the Republican Party is going to have to going to have to draw a line. Between itself and and all the events of, la, of last
2: week, and that would be one way to do it.
1: Yeah, that's the way of healing. For the Jesus
2: moment. Yeah. Henry for the for the Republicans, it really is.
6: Yeah, actually, I was speculating last week that I, I could almost see a situation where the Republican Party splits into the traditional Republicans and the Trump Republicans, with the Trump Republicans becoming a third party of some sort. If if Trump ends up running in the future, who knows? But if that should happen, I could see it see him as a third party uh, Trump candidacy that draws people away from the Republican Party to some degree and picks up some of the old Trump supporters. But I can see a split taking place there if if Trump remains active in this whole process, depending on what happens in the in the future.
1: Well, time as time passes, people get <laughs> they forget the past. They move and new developments, uh, and I don't know how anybody can, yeah, be, that's true. You know, be that strongly focused on uh, a uh, election four years from now when many of the um, actions that's going to be manifested between now and then are unknown. So, right. You know, Yeah. yeah
6: I, th- I think the speculation of him running in 24 is pure speculation. For as you say, so much could happen. To Trump and to a lot of other things between now and then.
5: Well, the, the
2: reality he, of it is this painful reality that that whole group tried to overthrow the United States government and the free and yeah. fair election. You know, but I mean,
1: they they are a minority though. Well, they don't even exist. In,
2: they, I mean, they have had a powerful um, block of interest in, in your party. I I think, and I know you're not like that, but...
5: Uh, well, two it, U.S. It, Capitol police officers were suspended, and at least ten more are under investigation for their behavior during last week's assault on the Capitol. And federal agents will look at whether current and former law enforcement officers played a role in the riot. One of the Capitol Police officers took a selfie with someone who was part of the mob that overtook the Capitol, and the other wore a Make America Great Again hat and started directing people around the building, according to Representative Tim Ryan, an Ohio Democrat. He didn't disclose how many other officers were under investigation, but confirmed it was between 10 and 15, and didn't say what they were being scrutinized for, except that it was their behavior during the riot. How disconcerting is it that elected officials and law enforcement personnel might be sympathetic to the Capitol insurgents?
1: Very disconcerting. <laughs> well we saw yeah. that coming a long time ago, Tom. We saw it coming. Defund the police. Tear down pull down those statues of Jackson and all of those other folks down, tear them down, rewrite history. We created chaos. We created a vision but the, of the future. Well, so every, and, everything goes.
5: And, and if you, um, with Donald Trump, who, you know, as of today, will become the most impeached president in the history of presidents <laughs> and impeachment, um, nearly half the people in this country voted for him.
2: Yeah, I know that's 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 worrisome. And
5: you have to imagine that among that half, there are people who served in the military, who have joined police forces in their various communities. I mean, they're us. That's the thing that's so troubling. They are us.
6: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the police unions have a very, at least many of them, and did endorse Trump in the last campaign as well. So, that, you know, clearly, politically, they they sort of leaned in that direction. At least many of them did. Um,
2: I got to say that I think the defund the police as a motto was like one of the goddamn, pardon my language, worst. Yeah, worst. I
1: agree. You and that I is. are on this. Can I repeat that word? <laughs>
2: yes. yeah, <laughs> we're agree. We are on the
1: same page.
2: Uh, well, I, yeah. Uh, how dumb can you be to make that your watchword? It was just—it was horrible. And um, I got into—you fi- know—I got into fights with some of my friends on Facebook, my you know good-hearted, basically liberal friends, uh, who who started attacking me because I was attacking that. I was like saying, "This is this is. Are you guys? Do you just want to shoot yourselves in the foot right now?" You, yeah, but, yeah. You know? but
5: that's but that's the point. Words matter.
2: They do, they do.
6: If people and, were yeah. walked
5: around with with placards that said reform the police
6: that's a totally different kind of slogan
5: yeah there wouldn't be but. any any real controversy to it everybody would accept that as something that needs to be done but defunding leaves way too many open-ended questions.
2: It oversimpl- but, it, uh, it oversimplified some legitimate concerns and damaged the possibility of discussion, uh, you know, of of, yeah. of re- discussion on it. I just, I mean, we're all four of us are 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 word people who value words, and I, I was, I, I continue to just be horrified by that bad decision uh, that took hold and uh, continues to have ripple effects that are very, very da- damaging to to the state of affairs. I think, and as Henry pointed out, that you know. That, or maybe you, Tom, that um, a lot of those people that were there on this were, um, res- were in effect, responding to all that are behind those words, defund the police. So it's a really devastating kind of thing, I think.
6: And I think we made the comment, I think, Tom, you made the comment, that we've been defunding the police in Flint for years. <laughs> yeah. We've been
1: doing that long before it was a slogan.
5: Yeah, before, but, but before it was no cool.
1: We had no <laughs> incident rates, though. So That's, we didn't. Nobody saw it, right?
5: Well, you
1: know. Yeah. But it's when you have these, these growing incident
5: rates. Hey, we have to take That's, a break here, but uh, we'll we'll continue this conversation uh, when we return. This is uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. We can let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. We'll be right back.
2: Hello, darling. This is Elvira, mistress of the dark, with Tom Sumner.
4: and save lives. The Tom Sumner
7: Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
5: Hey, welcome back as we continue armchair politics with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth, Nelson, and Jan. We've got about 23 minutes to uh, just let it go on the events of this past week, and I have a couple of things that I'll bring up in a moment. But, uh, Jan, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about an event coming up that, uh, that benefits East Village Magazine.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention, thank you, Tom, for the little few seconds to talk about it. Um, Mustard's Retreat, which is a much-beloved folk duo, uh, they 're actually headquartered in Ann Arbor, but uh, Libby Glover, one of the two, is a Flint native and uh, has uh, you know uh, they have very deep flint roots. I have anyway. them
5: on vinyl by the way.
2: Oh, you do uh, well they 're really quite <laughs> wonderful they 're doing a live streamed concert uh, to benefit East Village magazine it 's going to be at seven p m on uh, uh, january twenty third and um, you can you 'll be able to get to it on YouTube or Facebook. And then there's also a Zoom link, uh, but if you want to do the Zoom link, you have to get um, let in. By uh, let's see here, I should have this right up in front of me. Um, if you go to if you go to East Village Magazine right now and you click on the March edition, um, or if you click on the story about Mustard's Retreats concert that's up there, um, uh, the January uh, the January edition or the article, there's a link that you can get on to have, be authorized for the Zoom connection. But there are other ways to get to it through YouTube and Facebook. So I just wanted to mention it. Um, it's really quite wonderful that Mustard's Retreat is offering to do this for us. So uh, that's 7 p.m. on January 23rd. It's a Saturday, I think, yeah.
6: Okay. And, Jan, aren't the donations split between Mustard's Retreat and East Village?
2: Uh, the donations are split between the two. It's a wonderful way to support, lot you know, musicians right now are having a terrible time. Um, So, um,
5: I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because I always get a little bit frustrated when I see musicians donating their time to (laughs) to raise money for everybody else when they have such a miserable time making a living to begin with.
2: Yeah, right. So um, they've been really supportive of East Village Magazine all the way. Uh, David Tamulevich's song, ours is "Simple Faith." was used in our FACES project this year, and really, really added something to it that was wonderful. Um, so we, we are very fond of them and their work. And, I, you know, they used to play in bars downtown all the time, and then they, they played at the Flint Public Library several times at the Flint Folk Festival. Um, they're just really wonderful people, good-hearted people, and wonderful musicians,
1: too.
5: Well, as uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we could easily spend the entire show talking about the events of last Wednesday and the fallout from that. And as we speak, the, the, the House of Representatives is uh, in the process of debating and ultimately voting on a second impeachment of uh, President Donald Trump, and um, there are some and uh, threats that that we might see more of the same kind of behavior we saw at the Capitol last Wednesday on uh, the 17th and perhaps again on the 20th and the FBI has uh, sent out uh, warnings that uh, state capitals could be targets on uh, January 17th or 20th. I, I'm confused a little bit about why there are there are two different dates, but um President Trump and um Vice President Pence spoke for the first time yesterday in nearly a week after the events at the at the capitol, and it's um Said that they had a good conversation and discussed the week ahead while reflecting on the last four years of the administration's work and accomplishments. What do you think they really talked about? <laughs> I think
6: there's <laughs> only one topic. I think <laughs> is my guess. I uh,
5: and that would be know, I, what? I, I, Pardon?
6: Possibly that. To be honest, I'm looking forward to some of the books these folks are going to write after it's all said and done, because I have a hunch that there are going to be more stories that come out in books and articles in the, in the months and years to come about the Trump administration. It'll be fascinating historically, above and beyond any kind of current policy issues. there will be, you know, very that's strange that's... historical stuff. Yeah.
5: You know, well, well, you some, know um... I can't remember if it was Jan or or... Paul, or who um, earlier in the show mentioned that the the breach of the Capitol last um, last Wednesday seemed like the beginning of civil war, and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't help feeling the same way as I watched those events unfold. It it what flashed through my mind is that I was watching Fort Sumter.
3: Yeah, uh,
6: no, I, yeah no, I, I. After the show last week, I turned it on, and I thought I'd see, you know, the usual kind of uh, routine voting in the Congress. And I know there'd be a protest, but as it developed, I couldn't turn myself away from that. Well, the the protests were built in,
5: Paul. There were Republicans that were going to object to the counting of the ballots. There was already that that controversy about the procedure to begin with, and then the whole thing got upended.
6: Yeah, and... uh, well, among, among the many things that struck me about all that is, is even after the the events of last Wednesday, as I saw the pictures coming out over the weekend of the substantial amount of damage that was done, I mean, initially it looked like they were just kind of walking through the Capitol on Wednesday at the beginning of it. But by the time it was all said and done, they tore up doors and or shot up the place a little bit. So people killed and just the, we went through offices, you know, tearing through files and everything else. It was... Uh, much much larger than, than than I thought at the beginning, uh, and that's that's what struck among the many things that struck me about those events.
2: It was carnage. It was American carnage. Uh,
5: and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and exactly. as I mentioned it's earlier, the yeah. thing the more we find out, the more troubling it becomes because what we yeah. have to face is these are not all nut jobs. Right. They're us.
2: Yeah, that's the painful. Yeah. yeah, we've got some reckoning to do. We really do. Um, could I go back to Pence a little bit? Yeah, I, and I wanted to hear from Henry about this too. Um, I I don't know why I, I feel sympathetic towards Mike Pence because he's, from my perspective, Henry, thank you, my
1: thank
2: you, have found his obsequiousness uh, just uh, repulsive over the four years. But that's me, and now I. I find um, I I feel sorry. I, I don't know. I feel some sympathy for him. The the huge degree to which he got thrown under the bus. I think it's a, a reflection of the mental illness of Trump uh, in the most damaging way possible. But how what he must be going through that they were calling f- for him to be hung in that in that on yeah. the, the group was saying. Mike
5: well, and I was troubled when people made those kinds of comments about Rick Snyder during uh, protests related to the Flint water crisis. Um, when they talked about, you know, taking him to a guillotine or hanging him or having him executed, you know, by firing squad or, or whatever. I, I don't like that kind of incendiary rhetoric. And it would be easy to imagine that that's what it was. When the crowd started chanting "Hang Mike Pence," if it weren't for the fact that there was a gallows erected know, outside yeah. the Capitol <laughs> with a noose, so,
6: somebody had built a gallows and, and put a noose there uh, for what, whatever. And of course, then the guy with the uh, the, uh, the, the zip tie handcuffs was walking around, apparently with the intent of, of uh, handcuffing people and taking hostages from from all appearances.
5: He he was in the wrong did Capitol that, building because Gretchen Whitmer wasn't there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did, did that kind of remind you, for those who uh, remember uh, the history that they read about, uh, maybe Italy in 1942 when Mussolini and his wife oh, yeah. were hung upside yeah. down in the square? Does that yeah. remind you of uh, uh, July 4th, uh, 1789 in France yeah. when they... Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's true. Henry the French Revolution. Those are really scary times. Although people were there, and some were laughing and uh, ready for a show and stuff like that, but those are serious times that that we need to be afraid of, because they, people who are are prone to act on their behalf of themselves or another person. Don't take time to shoot at specific targets. They just move anything in, in their way, and we're all at risk.
5: I thought it was very significant, um, the, the comments, and we alluded to them earlier. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But Mitch McConnell's comments to some of his aides about ridding uh, the Republican Party of Donald Trump and, and thinking that Donald Trump had clearly done some impeachable uh, acts. Um, it, it is a little telling in terms of how Republicans have been sort of held captive a little bit by Donald Trump and, and the phenomenon that he became in the 2016 election and since.
1: Well, you know, I don't, I don't see that, but, but here's what I do see. I see Donald Trump as an entity all of its own. I yeah. see the Republican Party as an entity of its own. It has to laugh. Donald Trump may come and go, but the party and its platform and the people must must live. But there's, I I think they'll,
6: I think they'll, they'll split in some ways. I think there's almost a cult of personality around Trump. But and here's
5: and here's the problem: Donald Trump is sitting on a lot of money that was raised for his effort to overturn the election, and a Mm -hmm. lot of Republicans, I think, are afraid to. Pull away from Trump for fear that he will use that money to challenge them in their primary elections in their home states and districts.
6: Yeah, he's threatened that. That's true. Yeah. And
5: and that puts Republicans in a very a very difficult spot, especially now that that some uh, companies are starting to pull their funding for some of these candidates. They're um, let's see how did how did they put it. Uh, um, Let's see. uh, Companies like uh, Google, Coca-Cola, and UPS all have pledged to suspend contributions across the board, while others took aim specifically at lawmakers they viewed as complicit in President Donald Trump's efforts to disrupt the certification of Joe Biden's election. And my question is, doesn't this put legislators between a rock and a hard place? They either, you know, whether Trump is impeached and even if he's convicted in the Senate, um, which I think is a coin toss at this point, um, he may not be able to run in 2024, but he can still organize against people that he feels like he wants to get even with. So you've got Republicans that are stuck between losing donations for supporting Trump and being beaten in primary elections for pulling away from Trump. And and I, I, I just hope that they're all people like Henry who, regardless of the political implications, end up voting their conscience and doing the right thing.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I wanted to say this also... Uh, we are not. We don't pay any attention to the outside influences that are propelling our actions here. And the other day, Forbes said that they would uh, scathingly criticize Americans who um, uh, worked for uh, Trump and who enabled him to do what he did, and therefore they will urge uh, the Secret Service to back back down Trump supporters and and give them. Uh, um, and tell them to get out of town. Right. Um, by the way, you know, uh, Forbes is now owned by a company, I'm told, in China. Maybe you guys know that. Ah. You know? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, that's, but, but that's something that we should research and find out, because that, you know, that's who I've been told.
2: Did anybody see that? You can tell that I've been doing nothing but obsessively reading articles and watching TV <laughs> about all this I saw an interview with a Trump supporter uh, from January 6th that I thought was kind of poignant and heart-wrenching, where the the reporter said to him, what, what would you think if you found out that Trump was lying to you all this time? And the guy said, if he's been lying to me, I don't think I would ever vote again. or He like, said something like that. Like, you know, and, and in a sense to me, the come-to-Jesus process that's going to have to happen with the Republican Party is um, coming back to the truth for for the people out there that have bought the con and painfully trying to bring it back to some semblance of truth, morality, uh, and again, what we talked about earlier, doing good.
5: You know, I saw that interview, Jan, because I too have been sort of stuck uh in, this, in this, uh, this whole world of, of uh, 24-hour news since the uh, uh, breach of the Capitol last Wednesday, I saw that interview, and I felt some of those same things, but I also saw a little kernel of hope in that the yeah. person was able to consider the possibility that they'd been lied to. Right. And yeah. that's new. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That is new yeah
5: and and so I think there is a little kernel of of hope in that, but uh, in in the remaining seven or eight minutes that we have until the next break i I, I want to turn to uh, process a little bit because there's been a lot of back and forth impeach or twenty fifth amendment and so on. I'm of the opinion that the twenty fifth amendment was never the appropriate option and so I you know I think even though for a while it was being reported that Vice President Pence was leaving it on the table um, I, I don't think he ever thought it was the right thing to do and and I think in the end he did the right thing by by refusing last night to uh, accept uh, the, the uh, request of, of the House of Representatives to go well, forward with the 25th Amendment
6: well, even if he had done that, it would have been as clumsy as the as as impeachment in the sense that even if the cabinet had voted for that, Trump would then have the chance to respond with a letter, and then the Congress would have to buy a two-thirds vote, vote you know, decide whether or not the president stays in or the vice president takes over, which is the same vote you'd need for impeachment anyhow. I mean, the 25th Amendment was really meant for a president who was in a coma or been kidnapped or something who couldn't respond. So this is a, even, even the potential use for it, which is legitimate, was unusual. And as long as the president can respond, it, it still goes to the Congress and they get to vote on it one way or the other. And that could have taken at least the next week or longer. And, and I'm sitting here watching as the votes are coming in, I think, on the impeachment right now. There's still a lot more to go, but uh, it's, going on. It's, it's still pretty much a straight partisan vote from what I'm seeing on my
2: screen. Are are they voting now? I'm looking at it too. Are they voting I thought they were voting on some kind of um resolution?
5: It's a procedural thing.
6: Yeah, oh. okay. I'm watching it's, you know, it's I, a, I just it. Up it's a Facebook rules
5: thing. Here. They've they've been debating and, and, and setting, you know, rules and they they appointed a manager and, and so that's gonna be going on, you know, all day I today. I,
6: yeah, but agreeing to the resolution is what I've got on my screen here, whatever the resolution is.
5: And what about this notion of of holding back the the Senate vote on the impeachment to after
6: 100 days.
5: the hundred days, yeah,
2: yeah. I understand
1: that the won't poly- be the same yeah. Senate, guys. Yeah. That huh? won't be the same. That won't be the same Senate. Right. That would be oh, No,
2: Senate. it'll be. Yeah. I think in many, need
6: a two-thirds vote. I mean, if fifty votes won't do it, you need two-thirds to uh-huh. convict. So I that think, won't in, be I think the, the same
5: the, Senate. I think, you you, you know,
6: don't want to interfere with with Biden's first hundred days if he's got other things on the agenda to make the whole story impeachment. I suppose that's the issue. I guess I understand it. It's going to be kind of clumsy if it goes that way, though.
5: It's clumsy either way because yeah, uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna vote to remove somebody who's already gone.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Um, but but one of those goals would be to deny him uh, the the uh, opportunity to run again. I mean, I think yeah. there's other things to it. Uh, my... And
6: actually, you know, we we have impeached people before who were out of already out of office, just to find out what uh, what had taken place. There were some federal judges back in the eighteen eighties and nineties who were impeached and had already resigned, and in fact, like some of them were serving jail time. <clears throat> but they went ahead with the impeachment just to find out who had bribed who and the other details of the situation.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm in. I think that. Um... In a way, if they get if they go through with the debate on conviction this week, if it goes to the Senate at the end of this week or something, uh, it would be an act of patriotism. This is my view of Mitch McConnell as one of his last directive acts as the majority leader to uh, to see this thing through. I, yeah. I
5: and and I would you know Henry said something that that was really interesting about you know this would be a new senate that would be considering this uh, this impeachment if it if it goes beyond next Wednesday before the the senate trial but i would i would argue that it's already a new senate after January 6th
2: that's probably no, you yeah, got to be I just saying, yeah
6: no you, you I, I don't be, i don't I don't mean that. that.
5: Uh-huh. I'm talking about the changing of hearts and minds oh,
7: I, I think oh, yeah. the time yeah.
5: that some of those senators spent <laughs> on the floor in the well and you know in undisclosed rooms around the capitol building I, I think it's it's changed their um their hearts and minds a little bit i i I think the politics of uh especially Republican senators going forward, it's going to be a little different.
2: Could be. Yeah, I
6: I think you're probably right.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, Henry, how do you regard the possibility? I mean, I I see, uh, before I pass it over to you, I see if Mitch McConnell carries this thing through to possible conviction, um, I think that that would begin the cleansing process for the Republican Party that it sounds like you hope will happen. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, uh, they would have to think this through. There are consequences to what uh, McConnell does, uh, and it, it would be internally damaging to the Republican Party if they haven't thought it through collectively. They've got to do some really fast talking because there are impacts. There are two sides to everything, and they have to look at them. And this is what I believe that uh, is very important at this time. You can move to the left or the right, and both are bad <laughs> and all consequences. But there's one a little bit better than the other, survival of the fittest. Better. That protects the survival of the institution.
2: So which, which what is, it's a tough choice. What do you see as yes, a better choice? Yes, it is. Choice?
1: Well... I think that we should let the Democrats do what they need to do,
5: and, well, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it brings some reason into right. into debate because clearly being unreasonable hasn't worked very well.
1: That's
5: you know,
2: right. Either side, mm-hmm.
6: really.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that you have to uh, give some sense that the president was not acting as himself in the circumstance and uh but just to go through and just dump him on his head and hang him in the at the anvil the yard iron is ridiculous
6: and if mcconnell could bring along 17 other republicans that could begin begin that cleansing process and that, that could make it a fairly genuine, somewhat bipartisan process. I
1: but but you, don't, right you don't want it. to blame everything on the Republicans because and, we are Americans and, and we must accept responsibility for what happened, yeah. starting back with um, tearing down symbols that American people just could not handle. And I could have told you guys they they can handle that
2: down look what we, it, we've look uh, unfortunately
5: we've got to put a pause there and uh, and take a break and uh, when we come back we'll talk about uh, some of the x-files hey <laughs> this is the unknown comic and guess what you're listening to the Tom Sumner show right now and now and now too and even now
7: Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.
4: I get the
2: uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors.
3: Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would
2: have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go
4: anywhere, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All
6: right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight
4: Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made
0: this little jaunt into the Twilight
4: Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi,
2: this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
5: And welcome back. We continue now with the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics and one of my favorite segments, The X-Files, where we talk about some of those weird and wacky things that are strange but true. Um, A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down at a bakery in the western German town of Dortmund, which is celebrating the year of the coronavirus vaccine with syringe-shaped cakes. <laughs> it, it is not the first time Schurner's Baking Paradise has sold coronavirus spin-offs. Last year, as household essentials vanished from supermarket shelves in panic buying, they created cakes shaped like newly scarce toilet paper rolls. But owner Tim Cordham uh, initially worried that baking up a tasty syringe would be a step too far. With vaccination now underway in most of the world, public health officials fret that nervousness about new medicines will slow the uptake of vaccines designed to end a pandemic that has claimed some two million lives and devastated the global economy. There is no evidence that this cake, flavored with marzipan, will do anything to protect buyers from the coronavirus. Indeed, given the correlation between excess weight and serious cases of the disease, it may do just the opposite. But would you be more likely to get the vaccine if it came with cake?
6: <laughs> <laughs> might, might be an enticement,
1: yeah.
5: <laughs> uh, Those good.
2: I did give my husband a lollipop after he got his l- latest uh, call up. I think it's his latest uh, shot at right Aid.
5: Well, oh,
1: good for him. Hooray, we do have a hero.
5: In the gamblers will bet on Anything category. Here's a new one. A major sports book is taking bets on aerial drone races. DraftKings said Friday it is taking bets for this weekend's championship of the Drone Racing League, in which pilots fly aerial drones in races. Betting on the league's drone races is legal in Colorado, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Tennessee, and West Virginia, with regulatory approvals pending in additional states. Which seems stranger, drone racing or people betting on it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I think. Uh, both.
6: Yeah, but, I think you're but right. But racing
1: yeah. them uh, requires some imagination. To uh, how do you know you're at the end of the track? As you, if you go down, you're going to fly at a thousand meters. How do you know when you get there? You <laughs> I love that question.
5: Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm a little drone challenged. Um, A lot of, uh, let's see, a Massachusetts state lawmaker is asking for the public's help to select an official state dinosaur. State Representative Jack Lewis (laughs) tweeted Monday that he plans on filing the legislation on January 15th, adding that the effort is a good way for children to learn about the legislative process. But first the uh, Framingham Democrat is asking residents to select from one of two dinosaur species discovered in Massachusetts um, they were first discovered near Mount uh, Holyoke in 1910 um, and and uh, there was um, Let's see, a a woman, the first woman to name and describe a dinosaur, according to uh, Lewis. The species was 3 to 6 foot long, around 1 to 2 meters in length, weighed approximately 90 pounds, and was estimated to run 9 to 12 miles per hour. The uh, other one... Uh, was discovered in 1855 in Springfield. They um, Those were more than six feet long and about 60 to 75 pounds. Paleontologists have served as consultants for the project, uh, according to Lewis. Uh, Twelve states already have official state dinosaurs, Lewis said. That made me wonder, is there a state dinosaur in Michigan and does anyone know what it is? <laughs> I have no
6: idea. <laughs> Although I suspect we'll get on the bandwagon. Doesn't Michigan have an official state
5: mushroom or
6: or fungus that I've heard about sometime in the past? Really? I I, I think it does, but I don't know.
5: Well, the idea of the the state uh, dinosaur was just new to me.
6: Yeah, I like that idea.
5: Well, a lot of Twitter users were alienated by the sight of President Donald Trump's supporters raiding the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday, with emphasis on the alien. Uh, It seems the uh, MAGA mob reminded many people... Of that time in September 2019, when folks on the Internet hyped the idea of storming Area 51, the once-secret military base in Nevada, where legend has it, the U.S. government keeps its secrets on extraterrestrial life. Although a few dozen people showed up at Area 51 back then, no one actually stormed the military base, in part thanks to harsh warnings from the Feds. Many Twitter users noted big differences between the Area 51 raid that never happened and Wednesday's riot at the Capitol, mainly the level of security at the two locations. Um, Would Congress be better protected if they met in an undisclosed location? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They have to be in the White House, I mean in the Capitol, period.
6: now, weren't so there the a few of the electors who met
1: the, they ahead, have to, People have to be able to keep an eye on Congress.
6: That's true. But w- weren't there some electors who met in undisclosed locations? location? I think Arizona, I think, when they've cast their electoral votes.
5: Yeah, I think but that's has right. But it to be and, in
1: the public building, guys. And, in yeah. and,
5: and and there were yeah. capitals that were closed
1: Yeah.
6: for the yeah, electoral
5: right. vote counting. Michigan's mm-hmm. was one of them. Right. Mm. Well, that wraps it up for uh, today's uh, armchair politics uh, segment and uh, armchair politics. We have about three minutes left, so I thought maybe I'd give everybody a chance to uh, share some final thoughts.
1: Can I have 30 seconds real quickly? Thank you, Jan,
5: for everything
1: that you've meant uh, to me personally and to the show and to the country. Oh, Henry, thank you. Um, uh, and, I, and I want to say this real quickly for Donald Trump. He will not be our president the next time we meet. So looks like uh, things are coming to the end. But I want to remind people that what Donald Trump, he made our economy the strongest in the world. He kept our borders secure and our military strong. He persisted in standing up to China and Korea and uh, others. And, and he kept the dollar stable
5: made americans
1: first think that, that will be his legacy uh part of it anyway
5: if it isn't overshadowed by what's uh going on with the transition which which i'm but afraid you can't change
1: but you can't change that
5: It's yeah, a fleeting
1: I'm, moment in history
5: I, I, i'm yeah. afraid that's going to be that's going to be the case any uh, final thoughts paul
6: just like i say well this next week could be a very crazy week although at least now, we're, I think we're more prepared for it than we were in the past, so in some ways it may be, I hope, not as, as shocking as, as the events of last Wednesday were. But it sure sounds like there's all kinds of things in the pipeline that could be very, very concerning in the, in the, between now and next
2: Wednesday. Yeah.
5: Jan, any final thoughts?
2: Well, I'm hoping <laughs> that we can somehow find our way back to a government that's based on truth telling the people the truth, and uh, finding a way, as I always say, to do good things, to do good work for the people of this country. Lord knows we need it. We need good people of all persuasions to come together, uh, not for not for personal gain, but for the common good. And, um, you, the, you know, I always feel reassured when I am part of this conversation with you all because I feel like we are representative of some of the best stuff that's, being thought about and being said. And I really want to thank all three of you, um, Henry and Paul and Tom, for the contribution you make to civil discourse. Let's all hope that we can keep this country together.
5: Well, and on a similar thread, I I just want to close by... um, thanking all of you for, uh, for your restraint today because things have been so chaotic this last week. I was afraid we'd be completely dominated by talking about the uh, presidential transition and we wouldn't get a chance to talk about any of the other things that are going on. And I like to try to do that. Uh, every week there's a different story that's trending or dominating the news and I don't like to be overtaken by those and uh, and thank all of you not, not just for today but but for every week Jan, thank you so much Jan Worth Nelson, uh, Consulting Editor for East Village Magazine, thank you for sitting in with us today Pleasure And thank you Take care, Jan. Take care A- Henry and Tom? Paul, yeah. Paul Rosicki Take- uh, and uh, Henry Hatter, our Roundtable regulars thank you so much guys and uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. Have a good
1: week. Happy New Year.
5: That's and George Winters, tickling the Ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody.
0: The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.